Would you like to know the late round running backs, two of them and some honorable mentions that can give you a leg up on your competition, your league makes your friends, your damn co-workers that you can't stand or in your league? Do you want to know those late round running backs? I'm going to break them down for you in this here video. So why don't we, why don't we, hey, hey, hey ladies, gentlemen, fellas, fellas, fellas. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hello. Why don't we get into it? Alrighty, so I got two fellas for you that we're breaking down. I got two honorable mentions for you as well because, you know, I'm trying to give you a little something extra, right? A little dessert for you, a little sprinkle on top, the chef's kiss, right? So let's break it down right now. So the first guy here, late round running backs, I'm not talking about guys in the seventh and eighth round. If you're playing in a fantasy league these days, your league better be more than 14 rounds and probably shouldn't have kickers or defenses. Gasp, a lot of people's heads explode. All right, you should be playing in a league that has at least 18 rounds. Actually get paid and actually get uh, rewarded for drafting. If you're playing in a league that's got 14 rounds and one of them is for a kicker and a defense, you're winning on the waiver wires. Why even have the fucking draft in the first place? So... 18 to 22 rounds is ideally. You want to meet in the middle, 20 rounds. So if we're talking late rounds, I'm talking the double-digit rounds. I'm not talking your 7th and your 8th round picks. Those are not late round running backs. Those are guys that are actually going to be starters. Your Damian Harris's, your, your Zach Moss's. We're talking about after round 10. And really, the guys I'm talking about in this video are probably going after round 12 in a lot of 12-team formats. Outside the top 140 picks or so. And I do believe that these guys have standalone value, meaning that they'll see six to eight to 10 touches a game on their own with the upside, of course, if the guy running next to them in their backfield goes down to have a lot more usage. So let's break it down. The number one player right now that I have is going to come from the Chargers backfield. And this Chargers backfield, they got some guys back there. They have Justin Jackson, who's a former seventh round pick, right? They have Austin Eckler, of course, the best satellite back maybe of all time, right? Eclipsing the Danny Woodheads of the world. He's the jacked version at this point. Same team though, or similar teams at some point in Woodhead's career. But it's gonna be Joshua Kelly in that backfield. He's currently my running back 49. Which, again, running back 49, you're like, yeah, uh, why do I want that guy? Well, if this is the fourth running back on your roster and you only draft four, pretty damn good one to have because he's currently going as the running back 72 in average draft position on underdog fantasy. Now, this all stems from the fact that we have seen this for years. They're reluctant now for two to three years and partially with Melvin Gordon to give Austin Eckler a full workload. And if you want to just look back at the last two years, which has been 26 games, he's been banged up like last year, Austin Eckler, over the last 26 games, two years, only six times did he see 20 plus touches. So that's less than 25% of the time. And he's only played 70% or more of the snaps twice. Now that's common for running backs in general. They don't play most of the snaps, especially for Austin Eckler, who's mainly like a 60 to 65% of the snap guy. But that often means that another running back is on the field for 30% of the time, and there's no reason why you can't have two at the same time on the field. So whoever the running back two is going to be for the Chargers is going to find themselves playing more than likely 30 to 40% of the snaps, and that's massive for a guy that you can currently get right now, and most of the time going undrafted in drafts, you can get with your last pick, your 18th round pick, and Joshua Kelly. Now look, I'll be honest, Joshua Kelly's rookie season, it was not great. It started off as maybe something that was going to be decent. He started off kind of hot, he had some nice running back finishes, then Eckler gets hurt, and now it's okay, all wheels up for Joshua Kelly, and he kind of let everybody down. But let, let's give him some benefit of the doubt. First of all, he was a rookie in a COVID year, right? He, he ends up coming out as a later round pick, not a first, second, or third round pick. So he was never expected. The expectation was never to be this dynamite player. But he had a great college production at UCLA. He comes in, he averages like 3.7 yards per carry. It wasn't great. 
But a couple of things happened, right? He had an offensive line that was not as good or is not going to be nearly as good as this year, drafting Rashawn Slater, getting the number one center in Corey Lindsley. So he had a bad offensive line last year, which obviously Justin Herbert always under pressure just signifies that. He also had a late season foot injury that he ended up being healthy scratch for two out of the final four weeks. But this was a foot injury that was lingering during those. Like he was he was missing practices on Wednesday and Thursday. He was limited on a Friday and then they quote unquote healthy scratched him. I'm not too sure how that works. I think he actually had a foot injury. So he's a rookie with an injury, which people don't give benefits of the doubts to, like Jalen Ragers and like Henry Ruggs, who had injuries last year. And you can, the list can go on and on for guys that just don't get the benefit of the doubt. So there's that. And then also the Kalen Bellage resurrection, right? The Kalen Bellage gets away from Adam Gase resurrection, if you will, in Miami. He comes in and he actually plays very well. He was an RB16 or better Kalen Bellage as a borderline top 15 back for weeks 9, 10, and 11 when Eckler is out. So Kalen Bellage just comes in and plays better. He plays better than the rookie, the veteran. But now the nice thing for Joshua Kelly is that Kalen Bellage, yep, he picked himself up and he got thrown on out of there. He's not there no more. So they have Austin Eckler, of course. There's no more Bellage. And now the rest of them right now, the rest of this backfield is Joshua Kelly, who was a 2024th round pick. Okay, he's the most investment that this team has money-wise and just draft capital and ego-wise, if you will, depending on how big their egos are because of that. He's the biggest running back that has investment behind Austin Eckler on this team because they have a former 2018 seventh round pick and Justin Jackson, who's been okay, nothing crazy there. And then they just took Larry Roundtree in the sixth round this year, who again, he looks like a great uh, workout machine, if you will. He's got nice clips there, but in terms of what he actually did at Missouri in weak competition, doesn't really excite me. So I think he's ahead of Larry Roundtree, the rookie, yes. And I think he's ahead of this 2018 seventh round there, Justin Jackson. And there's reports that Justin Jackson might be the odd man out here and get cut. They're probably not going to keep four running backs on this roster. Looks like Eckler definitely has his role. They just drafted a rookie running back, probably gets the role. And then it looks like Joshua Kelly last year is going to get the role, at least right now, over Justin Jackson. So thumbs up for Joshua Kelly. And another reason why I like him is because he just showed versatility in college at UCLA. In his two years at UCLA, and that's all it took for him that he needed to play was two years, he had 225 plus carries in both of those years. So he was able to show that he could be a workhorse running back, but he also was able to show the ability to catch passes. He ended up finishing up college with a 27 reception season on a 9.2% target share. So if you're just wondering what that number means, anything at 10% or above in college is borderline elite. I would say it's elite and above that. 12% is very elite. It's rare to have that good of a target share in college anything above like seven percent is good he's at nine percent so he was a borderline elite target share meaning that he had the ability and he did to catch passes so i will admit you're probably not going to hear a lot of people talking about joshua kelly because he let a lot of people down last year and people just want to throw it in on the covid year they don't want to kind of take that into account on a rookie who had some things not go his way but he's going to have standalone value here this is a running back who is probably going to be on the field as long as he gets the job which we're projecting right now 30 to 35 percent of the time he's gonna see six to eight touches a game rarely with your last pick in an 18 to 20 round draft or whatever it's going to be will you get a running back who can see six to eight touches a game which is going to be around 100 touches for the season and then it's only more if Austin Eckler who has been shown the ability to get injured just like last year if he gets injured it's only going to go up from there so Joshua Kelly is the the late round sleeper that really nobody is talking about and we got another one for you and this one you might have heard a little bit more about and that man's name is going to be from the New York Giants, so we go to L.A., Los Angeles Chargers, to New York, to the biggest, most packed airports. But if you want a fun fact, Atlanta is the most packed airport and crowded and loses the most luggage as well. So think about that next time you fly or connect. Got to tell myself that, whisper that in my own motherfucking earballs. But my running back 54, who is going off the board as the RB61, about a round or two later than I would take him. I'm not going to take him a round or two early because I don't have to. I can take him right around ADP or slightly before, is Devontae Booker. 
Now, Devontae Booker has been fine. He started out with the Denver Broncos. He let a lot of people down, similar to Josh Kelly last year. He then goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, and he, and he frustrates a lot of people. Josh Jacobs' big year, everybody thought, and he goes in there, and he ends up taking away a lot of the workload from Josh Jacobs, even when Jacobs was healthy. And now he gets signed by the New York Giants, who let Wayne Gallman go, and they made it a priority to go out and sign him. So he gets signed to this contract, and it wasn't anything crazy money. It's your standard backup money for two to two and a half million, right around that range, better than the one million dollars that veterans are getting paid. So a little bit more investment in Devontae Booker here from the Giants. But you have Saquon coming off of two years of injuries and a very complicated where he tore three different things in his knee, didn't have surgery until the mid to end of October. They said, and the reports are saying right now, it seems the beat writers coming out of New York that looks like he's not going to play in the preseason, of course, Saquon. That's that's out the window. So he's going to get slowly put into the season. I don't think he's coming out 20 plus touches in week one. The first one to two to three weeks are kind of a ramp up period for Saquon. So the backup in Devontae Booker is going to get work. And a good amount of it. Now, Devontae Booker last year was more than fine as Josh Jacobs' one-two punch. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry, which is not the greatest metric, but that was top 30 in the NFL on 93 carries. He also added 17 receptions, and he was a top 15 running backs in both week nine and week 10. So there's some upside there. Again, if you're drafting this guy with your 18th pick, your fourth, fifth running back on your roster, I don't think you should be taking more than that personally. But if that's what you're doing, that's all you need. If he can hit for you as a top 15 back twice, you paid it off. It's like picking up a guy off the waivers and he's doing that. That's all you need. That's all you ask for out of these guys. You're not hoping that maybe they'll end up being the starter and they can go there six to eight times and be something beneficial for you. But one to two, you'll take it. And the other reason why Devontae Booker, I mean, we're just looking for guys at this point. Like everybody wants to take Alexander Madison in like the, the ninth or tenth round, right? Why are you taking Alexander Madison in the ninth or tenth round or Daryl Henderson before the Cam Akers news that early? I liked Henderson, but in the ninth or tenth round, when you literally have the exact answer of Alexander Madison, right? If Alexander Madison in the ninth or tenth round, you have Devontae Booker or Joshua Kelly not even getting drafted or in the 15th, 16th, 18th rounds. What is the difference? I personally don't know. They're both going to see six to eight touches a game. They both have a lot of upside if the running back ahead of them gets injured. And oh yeah, Saquon Barkley, I know Dalvin Cook had the early injury career stuff with the ACL. Saquon Barkley, the more recent injury. And in my opinion, this is a pretty obvious RB2 situation for Devontae Booker. He comes in, he gets paid. Wayne Gallman is now gone to San Francisco. Elijah Penny's in this backfield, who's a converted fullback. Not much competition, in my opinion. You have Taquan Mazzella, as of right now, is on this roster. The former Chicago Bears scored a receiving touchdown. Nobody knew who he was on Thanksgiving two years ago, if you remember that. He has nine career carries. No competition there. And then Gary Brightwell, a 2021 six-round pick, who I didn't even know of in the scouting process, and I was looking at a lot of running backs, 40 running backs, didn't even know of him, gets taken in the sixth round. He never topped 91 attempts in a season or over 525 yards in his three years of college. He really never showed anything. So I'm kind of confused here as to what this pick was. My opinion, Devontae Booker, well ahead of him on this depth chart. And you can keep going down the depth chart. Corey Clement, the former undrafted free agent with the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people liked him. He fit their scheme in a pass catching. But in the last two seasons, although he had an injury in there, which is something to note, he's now becoming an older player. He's not, no longer 22. He's now pushing 27. He's only had 21 total attempts the last two years career average of four yards per carry. So there's nobody in this backfield. It's Saquon Barkley, of course, and then it's Devontae Booker. And Devontae Booker, especially early on those first two to three weeks, just play him then and then trade him if he does something decent. He's probably going to see close to double-digit touches. And as the season goes on, he's going to be in there, like Wayne Gallman, seeing six touches a game, something along those lines, with the upside, of course, like Wayne Gallman last year. Gallman, who finished as a top 24 back in RB2 or better six times last year when Saquon got hurt. That's the upside of Devontae Booker and then some. So yes, these are my late round running backs, 10 rounds, 10 plus rounds out there. And they're going later than that, like outside the top 12 rounds. So there's going to be Joshua Kelly. Not a lot of people are talking about these fellas. You should keep them on your radar late. 
and Mr. Devontae Booker. Now, we have two honorable mentions for you people today, you beautiful people. The first honorable mention is somebody that I don't think will be classified as a guy going in the 10th round or later, and we already have a video on him, a must-draft video, but this is Gus Edwards. As of this recording, he's going as the second pick in the 10th round, so he's barely there. I think he's going to move up to like an eighth or ninth round pick by the time the season starts, or maybe even by the time you're watching this. So I didn't want to do a whole breakdown. We already have the whole breakdown on him, why we really like him as maybe your third running back that you can get in the eighth or ninth round. That is Gus Edwards. You can check out that full video. And then another name that is definitely a, a later round dart throw, but Jarek McKinnon. He's now on the Kansas City Chiefs. He's always been productive when he gets the time, when he's been with San Francisco, obviously during his time with the Vikings, misses a year to two years with some knee injuries. Now he's definitely becoming an older running back, but you look at this team. Last year, they didn't give Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all that much work on the ground. They even gave some to Le'Veon Bell, and that didn't work out too well. Darrell Williams is there, and they like him, but he doesn't have much burst. He's not the greatest pass catcher. Jarek McKinnon is better than Darrell Williams. He's not younger, but he is better. We'll see. If you could be the RB2 on the Chiefs, and that is not locked in stone yet, it's either going to be Williams or McKinnon, and they gave McKinnon a contract. If you could be the RB2 on that team, that is worth getting drafted late. Now, it's a little bit more cloudy there. Devontae Booker, the clear RB2. Joshua Kelly looks to have the lead on the RB2 role. If anything, Williams might have the lead as the veteran who's been with the team in Kansas City. So it's a little bit cloudy, so he's just an honorable mention. But he is my running back 52, McKinnon, and he's going off the board as running back 67. So a 15-rank difference there. Just letting you know, I got your back. So thank you for tuning into this video. Those are two late-round running backs and two honorable mentions for you beautiful people out there. There's a lot more videos in the 2021 Fantasy Football Playlist. So check that out. It'll be coming up, popping up on the screen. And we have a draft guide. We have a free, it's limited time only, for there's a way to get it for free, draft guide right now as an add-on bonus thanks to our sponsors at Prize Picks, rankings, top 200s, tiers, a bunch of shit up in there, player profiles for 200 players, all the rookies, a bunch of top players every position. Check it all out down below. And before you go, before you go, beautiful people, we're now approaching August. We might even be in August by the time you're watching this. It's the biggest month for fantasy football season long. If your eyeballs aren't on this, subscribe to this channel. We got more coming for you. Thank you.